0: Welcome, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by, And I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basile, joining you live each and every week. And first off, let me just tell you, I am so absolutely grateful for all of you. Every time you send us an email, every time you let us know what you like, what you want us to do differently, every minute that you spend letting us know what so inspires you is a minute that we put to great use. Today's show is another one of those moments. It's actually going to be 50-plus moments where I get to introduce you to someone that knows a lot about second chances, someone that when we think about our lives, we think about what are the steps that we've taken along the way, what have we been able to do really well, and how how is it that we've had chances in our lives that would get us to the place where we are today. Some of us have had second chances. Some of us have had third chances. Some of us have had continual chances. The point is, what is it that that we could all benefit from understanding and learning and being inspired by today with Scott Silverman? Let me just tell you a little bit about Scott, and I mean just a little, because today we're going to talk about his journey, his vision, his mission, and how he is helping countless people get that second chance you know Scott's someone that many of us if we saw him on the street we would kind of walk by maybe give him a smile but we wouldn't understand the depth and the breadth of the work that he's doing he is also the author of tell me no I dare you a guide for living a heroic life he is someone that is in high demand as a speaker he's both local nationally and the work that he 's doing you 're going to hear about today, as the executive director and founder of Second Chance, a human services agency committed to breaking the cycle of unemployment, poverty, and homelessness you 're going to hear about how people are getting ready to say yes to commitment, to say yes to that second chance that Scott and his associates are so eager to give them Scott. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Oh, Dr. Pat, thanks so much. It's really, really great to be here. Very excited for the opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, some of the great stuff that's happening on the
0: planet. Uh, Some of the great stuff that's happening on the planet actually is beginning with you. When I looked at, and I want to kind of go back in time for a little bit, when I took a look at where this journey began for you, and how you had, as, 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 as John Stoddard would say, the gumption to create second chance. You know, this is a journey where you've been able to look at your own life experience and turn that experience into experiences that other people can have. What has the journey been like for you? And what has been the greatest challenge you've had to overcome to bring you to this very moment?
1: Well the, well the journey you know and the agency just turned 16 years old this past Friday and, and probably one of the most unusual things is the level of I'm going to go to the positive side mm-hmm. of running a nonprofit is the, the folks that get impacted or are impacted with the transformational part of what that what happens for them when they go through our program and then they take that transformation back to their family into the community and then wrap themselves around their own success. Watching that, you know, unveil itself on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis is probably one of the most rewarding things that can happen. You know, and it's easy for for people to tell me, hey, you know, you did this, but I know for a fact that folks have to do the work. 90% of the work of uh, the folks we serve is theirs, 10% is us. We facilitate, you know, we take a little credit because we put the programmatic and the curriculum together, but you know, people are interesting. If they're not willing to do it and not willing to do what it takes to do it, it doesn't get done. And if it doesn't get done, then there's not success. So that's been the most exciting part of the journey is watching family members come back and shake my hand, give me a hug and say, i got a job. You can't believe this. My mom's talking to me again. My kids are talking to me again. You know, I'm making a regular income, and if things keep going this way, I could be buying my own house in the next two years. I mean, it's just amazing to hear the stories.
0: Well, you know, and part of this is really kind of putting the framework out there for our listeners to to talk about the fact that there are millions of people walking this country in particular that have the potential to be absolutely phenomenal but also have the potential to end up in the prison system, have the potential to have almost everything that they own stripped away from themselves. And, you know, if that happens, isn't it difficult sometimes to realize that this is not the end of the road, that there may be a second chance, although at the moment doesn't seem like much?
1: Oh, you know, when you're in it, I mean, when you're in the forest, if you will, or you're in the fire, no, everything seems like it's going to be uh, ending soon, and it's horrible, and what can you do when you get paralyzed? And that's why we really encourage people at any walk of life, no matter where you are, a level of success or a level of failure, don't try to do life alone because you know you're left with your own thinking and i like to say my best thinking got me to where i am and in many ways that that was a bad thing years ago and now it's a great thing so you have to check in with others you have to use a mirror we call it the mirror we actually use a physical mirror in the classroom so people can actually see what others see when they're going through their transformational thinking or thought process or reacting to something in a non-favorable way so Doing life alone is really, really hard because as you said, you know, that fork in the road sometimes is just a little tiny pebble and the shadow can be leaning one way or the other and you know, you take the right turn and it's amazing how great things can be. If you're pushed one way or pulled the other, it's also equally as amazing as how difficult things can be. But those are, as I've been on the planet long enough now, I call those learning opportunities.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more, although I'll tell you, I totally get what it means to be sort of in the middle of those opportunities and not really knowing their opportunities. I mean, I grew up in the Bronx in New York City, and, it, you know, from from where we lived to the time I got to either PS14 or junior high school 101, there were a lot of those
2: opportunities, Scott,
0: for us. Um, but we really, we have a dilemma here. And, you know, one of the things that you talk about is, is sort of the dilemma of what's happening on our streets, how our youth and, and others are being incarcerated for drugs, for alcohol, whatever that might be, and, and sort of how the door is then shut. Are we winning the war on drugs? Oh, of course not. Not <laughs> only are we
1: not, are we not winning the war, in my opinion, we're fighting with the wrong tools and we are... Patting ourselves on the back for the five percent that they they win, and they allocate billions of dollars that if we put it into other conduits like education, rehab. You know, interesting statistic. We're in San Diego. You know, mm-hmm. we we call ourselves America's finest city here in California, and the bottom line for our arrest record is ninety-five percent of the people that are arrested are under the influence of something mood altering, whether it's uh, unscribed. Medication, or it's illegal narcotics, or it's alcohol. Ninety-five percent, not not just some, but ninety-five percent. So our war on drugs, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's like a one of our our uh, supporters calls it putting a, um, a a three-sided fence on a four-sided yard to right. try to keep something in or keep something out. It doesn't work. People are going to go to the fourth side that isn't closed, and that's where it's going to happen. So no, I think our war on drugs is uh, is not working at all, and and there's no incentive to stop it uh, from the average person's perspective. You know, California is talking about legalizing marijuana to help raise revenue to cover the budget deficit. Mm. I mean, yeah, I
0: know. That's kind of an interesting conversation in itself, isn't it? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they talk about a paradigm shift. I mean, it's, if, if the government's now looking to legalizing an illegal substance as a mechanism to raise revenue, obviously <laughs> the concept of money-making around narcotics is, is attractive. But what's interesting to me is, what percentage of that dollar is going to go into rehab? So far, no one's even brought that up. So I'm, I'm concerned, uh, like I'm sure many of us are. But, you know, a lot of society, unfortunately, is in denial. A lot of society figures the government will fix it. A lot of society figures the county, the nonprofits, the social service agencies, they'll take care of this. We don't have to worry about it. The difficulty is we do have to be concerned about it because it's not going away, and it's costing <laughs> us all not just
0: money. Well, I mean, don't you think it's even starting younger and younger now? I mean, everybody was concerned in the 60s that everybody was doped up and having sex. Um, Today, it seems like we've shut at least one eye to the fact that our youth are starting with drugs and alcohol and other substances at a very young age.
1: We just started a new contract in July of this year, just a few months ago, working with Juvenile Hall, our, our maximum security lockup for youth, youth being defined as... Uh, 15 to 21, so you, you, know, you do the math, the average age there is about, you know, 17. And these are kids that we're seeing in the juvenile justice system that have been impacted by what you've just described into the single digits of ages on the planet, eight, nine years old. It is amazing. I mean, I was with some kids the other day. The average age was 16. Average kid had been institutionalized for over seven years, in and out. Seven years. That means they started getting institutionalized at age nine. So now they're living in the system, if you will, which you know mm-hmm. basically warehouses, knuckleheads, and gives them no real tools to prepare for the outside. But they do what they're requested to do by the state because they're you know they're required. And here's all this. I call them the community's throwaways because that's what they've been. That's what's happened to them. They've been thrown away. Now I don't think anyone sits at a tower and says, "Oh my God, we have got to throw these kids away," but it's happening, and it's happening in every major metropolitan community throughout the country right now did you know one in 37 americans right now one in 37 according to the pew report which is a study which was just completed last year are either incarcerated have been exposed to the judicial system or will be arrested in the next six months one in 37 americans
0: and so don't you think we kind of you know turn our heads the other way because we don't think it's going to be our kids you know we don't think it's going to be our family member it's it's going to be those other people that live over there. Right. You know what I'm saying?
1: It's head turning. It's, uh, you know, excuse making or, you know, it's really going on, but it's not that bad. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. It goes on and it will continue until, you know, we have some major, you know, Katrina or tsunami or 9-11. That's what it's going to take to change things, unfortunately.
0: Let me ask you a a kind of different question, Scott. For those of you just tuning into the show, Scott Silverman is joining me here today. And the book that I'm going to put up there for everybody to go out and consider and get to read is Tell Me No, I Dare You, A Guide for Living a Heroic Life. The question I think I I want to ask you is this two-part question. One is have we sort of glamorized or sensationalized the idea of alcohol and drugs, uh, number one, And then, you know, are we kind of full of excuses from a government, local government level, of the economy being in the way of us really caring for these folks?
1: Well, the first part of that, you know, how we glorified it, I think we've just forgotten that it's an issue, and the corporate side of what we live in in a a free country is allowed to, you know, continue to promote, and I think they should, it's a... It's a free country, and people make the choices. I just think that people's decision-makers are a little more contaminated, or in some cases a lot more contaminated than they were in the past. And the economy, I don't love my wife less because she's making less money. We fight about it maybe more, but we don't, I don't love her less. It's not her fault. Um, but on the other hand, you can make excuses for whatever you want, create barriers to whatever you want, and then you rationalize in your own head, and then you get paralyzed. So, you know... All right, economy's bad. Okay, so what? What are we going to do about it, you know? Pick up a, a weapon and hurt somebody? I mean, go kill ourselves? You can make those choices, and some people have been. I mean, it's a horrendous. The suicide rate has just escalated. But at the end of the day, you know what? I have hope. I believe in transformation, and I want safety for my family. And I think everybody on the planet wants the same things especially Hallelu- in an environment where we're, you know, kind of hitting all these bottoms mm-hmm. economically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. But to me, again, opportunities for growth. Hallelujah. Bottom- i
0: got to tell you, brother, you just said a mouthful right there. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I've got to tell you, great conversation. I'm so thrilled Scott Silverman could join us here. When we come back, we're going to talk about, a little bit about, some of the five signs of addiction What what are those signs? What is it that may be happening right in front of you that you should know? And then how do you turn that no into a yes? What does that mean? How do we go through life to understand we we do have choices, we do uh, have a place that we could say yes or no to? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show and my very special guest, Scott Silverman. We'll be right back.
3: Do you like where your health and looks are headed? or are you ready for a total transformation your dollars and days off have never been more precious so why waste them on anything other than lasting real rejuvenation sure there are expensive spa vacations and then there's total transformation join best-selling author Kat James in a gorgeous mountain setting where you learn the very food and self-care principles that transformed her beyond recognition without self-deprivation break free from the food and beauty self-sabotage and spend five days with the woman Self Magazine calls a master of self-transformation. You will even celebrate the new you with a world-class makeover and photo shoot. Want a total transformation but can't afford to get away? A 10-catch teleprogram from your home via computer or phone. Make 2009 your year for total transformation. Call us at 877- 54-TOTAL or visit us at totaltransformation.com
4: Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
5: Do you want to prosper by using good timing to work in harmony with the universe? Each year, show host Madeline Gerwick provides a new good timing guide so you can know the best times for all your important activities. To order the new 2010 Good Timing Guide, just go to askmadeline.com. That's A-S-K-M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E.com and click on the Polaris store or call 877-524-8300 to get your 2010 Good Timing Guide today.
0: welcome back everyone welcome back to the dr pat show for more information about us don't forget check us out www.thedrpatshow.com or simply dr pat live guess what We've got Scott Silverman in the house tonight, second chance, a human services agency, but more than that. You know, this is really a conversation about what does it mean to get a second chance? What does it mean to give another person a second chance? And before break, Scott, I really thought it would be important to talk about uh, some of the things you talk about, like how do you recognize addiction? Because I think one of the things we've kind of gotten lulled into is is this idea that addictive behavior is kind of normal? And I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. What have you picked up as the signs of addiction? What should parents look for? What should people look for in general?
1: Well, you know, the the, the term addiction, first of all, is kind of an interesting word because there are there are a few good things that could be classified as mm-hmm. um, positive addictions. There aren't many. Okay. Yeah. School, furthering education, sports, health. But I think when you and I are, or when I refer to addiction, it's usually around something mood altering or some substance. You know, and I define addiction as the inability to feel feelings. And the, the, uh, the process of living in what's commonly referred to as a, you know, a little condo in Egypt, a uh, denial. Or a condo on a river in Egypt, I should say. So denial yeah. and the inability to feel feelings to me is, is, is what I quantify and qualify as a disease. So addiction, when I look for it, if you will, because I'm looking to help people find ways to move away from um, their, con- their consumption of things that are mood-altering or anesthetizing themselves, you look for behavior shifts, you look for weight loss, you look for attitudinal uh, flare-ups, episodes of inappropriate behavior that aren't normal. And, and there's usually a variety of things going on, and one of them might simply be the substance abuse or the addiction part of it. And then, the, I, you know, for me... I'm I'm an addict, so I have a, an addictive, compulsive, obsessive behavior. So for me, things like moderation and balance are all hard things to kind of deal with, but I'm getting better at it. But it's taken years, and it's taken lots and lots of effort to move away from, you know, the addictive, compulsive. Because when I go to do something, the natural reaction, because I have this chemical imbalance, is to go this way. That's why I try to he- hesitate now, breathe a little bit. Maybe meditate, do a little journaling, check in with others, and and try to find myself. I like to say that my mind's like a bad neighborhood. I never go there alone.
0: (laughs) You know, one of the things you ask in the book, um, there are so many things in the book that you ask or you call us to question, but you ask this. You said, what, I wonder, will it take for people who accept no, live no, expect no, to wake up and believe yes? Mm-hmm. That is such a profound question, and yet at the same time, those people that maybe moved from no to yes sometimes can answer it quickly. What have you come to know that it takes?
1: Well, first of all, it's interesting. Um, anecdotally and experientially, You know, the findings have shown that 7 out of 10 people, when they hear the word no, will stop. No you can't go to that school. No you're not smart enough. No you're not pretty enough. No you need to lose more weight. No you're you know you're too tall. You're not tall enough. Uh no you live in the wrong part of the country. No you're you're democrat. No you're republican. No you're liberal. No you don't vote. You know the no 7 out of 10 people hear no and just stop. And yeah. what I really encourage people is to to when you hear the no try to create an opportunity in your head to make that a platform to find yes. Now, and when I say that, I don't mean, no, you shouldn't put your hand on a hot stove. I'm not talking about the logical no's that go through, you know, we all go through in life. But I'm talking about the no when someone just simply because of their own ego, their own control, or their own inability to understand fairness and equality, or they're just, you know, they want to see you do what they want you to do. Uh, you hear the no and you go, okay, you know, thanks, thanks for the input. And then you think it through and go, you know what, this is something I'm passionate about. This is something I want to do. This is something I feel is important. This is transformational for me. I want to go after this, and I'm not going to stop. I'm just not going to stop. And then you just you find a way to get to your yes. You know, I I got something emailed to me the other day. I'll just read it to you real quick. Victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. Mm. You know, and I thought that's an interesting point. It kind of fits in. So what I've done in the book, I've created these uh, five keys. And the five keys are simply find your yes. So if your yes is, Dr. Pat, that you want to have, you know, 25,000 more listeners a week. Yeah. That's your yes. Okay, what are you going to do to do that? Secondly, the second key is you've got to make a commitment. You've got to make a commitment to that um, yes, and you've got to do the planning necessary and all the footwork that goes along with making a commitment of any kind. Because if you leave it in your head or you leave it in your heart, you know, it's a vision, it's a wish. So then we go into the third key, which is the. This is my favorite key of all five keys: the ability to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The ability okay. to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, meaning when you go through a change, or you've got to go out there and you've got to risk something—money, time, or talent, if you will—or you've got to leverage something, or work extra hard, or spend more time doing it, or go get more education. It's going to be uncomfortable. And if you can learn to be comfortable with it, you can find a way to move through it. It's kind of like fear. When you get to the other side of the fence, you know, walking through is more, you know, painful, really, and time-consuming, or not even starting to walk through it than getting through it, getting it behind you. And then the fourth key is to take time, be patient. And the fifth one is there's always going to be a way. It may not be in your time, but it's going to be in the right time. So those are the five simple keys, and anybody that's listening out there can go get those on my website, and I'll give that to you. It's Scott com. That's com. Go on my website, sign up, and I'll email those keys to you. And I haven't even figured out the rest of the website yet to email you on a regular basis say hello. That'll come down the road. So if you're looking for the keys, it's scotthsilverman.com And if you want, order the book there, and I'll sign it and send it to you. Tell me no idea you. It's all about finding ways to go from no to yes. And I'll tell you, we are certainly in a heavily no environment right now where you know the people who are running our country are telling us no, and then they're bailing out the banks who are telling us no, and then we're down to, you know, teachers getting laid off, and public servants getting hours reduced, and work furloughs, and, you know, we're all struggling to figure out ways to get bran muffins on the table and keep a shelter over our head, so we're all in the same boat, and that's kind of, for me, that's a little melodic in some respects, at least it isn't, you know, some people, not everybody else, we're all struggling right now, and I find something like that kind of comforting, because I don't feel as alone, does that make sense?
0: it not only does it make sense but you know when we point to quote the heroes and i want to congratulate you as well because you know you've sort of risen to that point where you're recognized to be hero of the week by cnn and and rightly so but the question then becomes when we point to the people that we consider role models or we consider people in history they never gave up and you know i was very fortunate to live with the stepmother that absolutely refused to give up. She took her GEDs three times. She took her real estate license test four times. And she taught us the power of persevering. I want to get back to one thing you said, because you say something in the book that got my attention about commitment. I actually believe that commitment is one of those, one of the most used words of this decade. And yet no one talks about it like you. You say the one thing you've learned about commitment is that it better be fueled by passion. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Because sure. we know, don't talk about an,
0: passion and commitment much.
1: Yeah, you just said it about, was it an aunt of yours? Is that what you said?
0: Mm-hmm. A relative my, of my, yours? My mom.
1: Your mom, I'm sorry. You, you mm-hmm. just said that about your mom, and that's really, you know, the never giving up. That is passion to me. You know, people, all, I, I'm getting accused uh, chronically from people going, oh, my God, Scott, you know, you are out of control. <laughs> what is, I said, you know, don't confuse my passion with your fear Mm. if my passion is confusing to you that I make amends for but if you're confused and you're full of fear because my passion potentially could require you to get out of the way get off your butt or do something different because it might make a difference not only for you but your family in the community then guess what that's on you you have to take care of your side of the street so for me what passion really is is it's perseverance and it's love and it goes back to that thing we're talking earlier it's the safety the transformation you know the honesty and and the the soulful part of who we really are as human beings and that's what we are we're only human beings so you know what i try to do is each day i try to get a little bit moving in the right direction taking baby steps and hopefully by midday i've got myself in the right direction and if i can help others see that as well and be a good example i try to do that but you know there's some days you know i want to have a temper tantrum and I want to just say, forget it, and I don't want to go there, and I don't want to be part of. And, you know what, that's got to be okay, too. And I give myself permission, and I take the day just to be, uh, I call it my, my big baby day, where I just, you know, I feel like I want to put my diapers on and get a pacifier. You know what, I'm entitled to that, and I don't, I don't need people to give me permission anymore. I will do it because I need to, and I'll say, look, I'm just not available today. I just can't get it done today, or I can't be of service today. Are you okay with that? if it's someone close to me. And everyone, you know, they'll go, sure, thanks for letting me know. And three words, somebody told me, I need to learn how to do more effectively. I'm 55, I just learned it this year. Three words, I don't know.
2: (laughs) It's amazing.
1: (laughs) If you don't know, say you don't know. So you know what? I use that today and so far, I've probably done it 50 times this year and I've never had anybody go, wait a minute, you should know. I mean, some people want to argue and I go, you know, I do, and I should, but guess what? Right now with the information I have, I don't know. But if you want me to, I'll go find out, but I can't get it for you the next hour or two or day or week, I'll need more time. I never used to do that. And I'm one of those 100 mile an hour people. You know, I'll go all day long. So my formula is no secret, Dr. Pat. My formula is simply a basic, commonsensical way of moving through life, doing the best I can, trying to meet my own expectations, And if I can, help others along the way.
0: And I want to tell you, you are absolutely inspirational in doing that. I love, Scott, I love the way you talk about this. It is down to earth. You know, your voice and your energy is full of vibration. And the bottom line is you really have to help people find solutions. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a solution. We're going to talk about how do we live up to our highest potential? How do you and I do it? How do the people we love do it? How do those people that are getting a second chance, how do they do it? And what happens when you're faced with all of the no's in your life? What do you let your gut tell you? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By and my very special guest, Scott Silverman. We'll be right back.
2: visit maryjanemack.com.
4: Or visit StressDetective.net.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. And, uh, wow, this is Talk Radio to Thrive by. I'm so thrilled to have CNN Hero of the Week joining us here today. Scott Silverman, the book that I'm referring to, and it's just one of several things that he writes about, is Tell Me No, I Dare You, A Guide for Living a Heroic Life. Uh, ScottHSilverman.com, I believe, is the website. Did I get that right, Scott?
1: You did exactly right. Thank you.
0: Okay, great. Please go. Sign up for the newsletter. And what I want to be able to do today for someone out there on the show, we'd love to give you a copy of the book. If you're wondering about how to flip that no to yes, if you're wondering about how to move beyond the challenges, uh, give Seth a call, 888-815-9756, 888-815-9756, and Seth will get your email address. We'll connect with you if you have questions and you want to get some insight how to turn your no into a yes then you also want to call in and connect with Scott directly because you know why? A lot of people do that. He's got the answers except when he doesn't know. <laughs> Scott, thank you for joining us here today. Look, I want to ask you about a couple different things but there's one thing in particular that is on my mind. Um, I wanted to ask you about a growing generation of kids. Ten years ago, they they seem to be labeled eh, let's just say 15 20 years ago ADD ADHD and all the D's now this generation of of youngsters have grown up and they've grown up with this idea that they're they're not really human beings they're ADD and ADHD uh, and I wanted to ask you how these group of youth and now adults fit into the conversation of a second chance?
1: Well, first of all, I think that what you've just depicted is an example of a label that we, society, or your friends, or they, that special group that travels around the motorhome, you never get to meet, I call them they, those people, have just given given labels that. I mean, it's like we work with parolees, ex-offenders, people on parole, ex-felons, drug addicts, alcoholics, you know, and it used to be, you know, back in the uh, late, uh, um, early 90s, if you will, I'm sorry, late 90s, used to be welfare recipients, welfare moms, welfare parents. They're just labels. And what we have found is if we drop all the labels and you dress people up and they understand what they need to do next in their communication and you give them the basic skills, when they go sit down with someone who's never met them who hasn't pulled their chart and doesn't know what their bio looks like, they're like everybody else. Nobody knows anything about them. They don't know they've been in jail for ten or fifteen years. They don't know that they've had a substance abuse problem for most of their adult life. They don't know that their family, you know, issues started when they were two years. They don't know any of that. So I think a lot of it's just the labels. I mean, you know, when somebody asked me, you know, "Were you a good student?" No, I had, I, I was, I was, I was one of those A's and D's. And I still have that issue. So I have a small attention span. So what I do when I'm in a room with a lot of people, I try to find something that I can focus on that's important to me. And I don't take notes because when I take notes, it distracts me. And I generally retain what I hear. And that's my, I've done my workaround. That's my workaround. So I know that I can't sit there and have multiple conversations on multiple topics. I take one at a time and let people know, hey, you're going too fast. Or can we slow down a little bit? Or I have a question, and I ask that question. So, I think the labels are something that generationally, I think, just come around. They're convenient for us. Uh, we get into them. I mean, look, the term prevention, for example, in healthcare, you know, 15 years ago was unheard of. Oh, no, we can't do prevention, you know, da 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 da. And then look what's going on in our economy today. No one ever saw this coming. Or maybe some people did and got out of the way and let it happen. I don't know, but it's amazing. But these are paradigm shifts. This is the world changing, and I think, uh, what's exciting for me is it's changing. That's going to present some interesting opportunities. But that's an optimistic approach.
0: And well, I like, the, I I like the optimistic approach at, you know, at this particular point in the game because, you know, it's too easy, I think, right now for us not to be optimistic.
3: Right. I mean, it's well, very
0: easy to slide down that slippery slope and forget, as you said in the book, that when we were born, we popped into this world six, six plus pounds, this shining glory of all that is possible. How do we get to remember that, Scott?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that we teach is that there's every one of us was given a toolbox when we were born. And in that toolbox are tools that we can utilize on a daily basis. But what happened to some of us is, A, someone stole our tools. We thought. B, we gave them away. C, we didn't even know we had a toolbox, so they got rusty. Or D, we don't know which tool to pull out of the box because we haven't learned yet or we forgot what we learned. So my point is, what we try to share with people is, look, grab that toolbox. It's more of a metaphor than it is literal tools. Grab the toolbox, okay? You want to learn? Shut up. Start listening. Listen to what? Start listening. Maybe talking's not working for you. You know, is listening working for you? Ask, we ask a couple of quick, commonsensical questions, and I can do it with anybody at any level. You'll find out real quick what the roadblocks are. You know, are you listening? Are you participating in life? Are you sitting back? Are you moving too quickly so you're missing things? So a lot of us just need to take a deep breath and kind of refocus a little bit. You know, it doesn't take any special breathing or any walking thing or looking outside yourself for somebody to tell you how it should be done, but it's looking inside. And that's what my book talks about. And here I am talking about a book talking about something you could do. It's looking inside. See, I think the answers are inside of all of us. I don't think the answers are in somebody else's idea of what they think we should be doing. I think the ideas are in all of us. We just need to find a way to put those tools and get them using in a sequence so things can make sense or be more commonsensical for us until we understand. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, and sometimes you have to ask for help, and sometimes you have to have mentors and coaches and supporters and sponsors that can help you. Big brother, big sister, mom, dad, sibling, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, Grandma, Grandpa, Aunt, Uncle, you have to look outside yourself because if you're doing all your own thinking and things aren't working for you, my question is, why are you still doing it?
0: Well, I got to tell you, we're hitting a few nerves here. I got the instant messages flying in here. I'm going to have to take this question right off of the instant message right here, and you know the question is, well, there's several of them. Uh, you, you know, okay, great great with the labels i hear what you're talking about how do you get rid of the age label and and not lose the value of the person and and yeah this is okay this is really a cool question because this has to do with also the employment uh situation that's going on you know a lot of people over the age of 55 uh are finding themselves uh in the unemployment lines right now and so i guess this question comes from and and please uh uh, L, LJ, would you please send that uh, clarification on that instant messenger? We'll get your question right on here, or you could call in. But the question, I guess, is how do you get rid of the age label, uh, and how do you do that in the context of employment?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, I'm 55. I got gray hair, thinning hairline. So you know, when I walk up, you know, somebody who's 23 years old is sitting behind the counter is going to be doing the interview of me. I'm going to have to come across, I'm going to have to know what I need to say. And and what what I think life's all about is building relationships. So i got a 23-year-old in front of me, you know, just recent college grad, and they're in charge of hiring right now. I'm walking the front door. I'm going to say hello, look them in the eye, and I'm going to smile, and I'm just going to shut up because I'm sure they're probably sitting on their BlackBerry, maybe even have their iPhone going, and they've got their uh, iPod going. So I'm just going to shut up, smile, say hello, how are you today, and make eye contact. Start the relationship right there and understand that you know what? It's their ball game, it's their turf, they're in charge, and if I realize that in my own mind, I'll craft a relationship and I will hopefully become likable. And if I'm likable, I'll get to the next level. Tell you something interesting about what I call the Great Panthers. Most yeah. employers most employers now up until a year ago and things have shifted, were looking to hire part time people that were older, that were more mature, that were more responsible, that maybe didn't need full benefits, only wanted to work part time. So in many ways, the Great Panther is one of the fastest-growing hiring populations right now nationwide because they'll take part-time work. They don't need full-time benefits in most cases because they have maybe some form of retirement coming or they built one up. Again, the last 12 months, Dr. Pat, the world has changed. But experientially, most organizations, unless they're just, you know, their image is not to have someone who's more mature, but attitudinally, you know, I think we, we tell ourselves, look, I'm too, like I was saying earlier, we give ourselves label. I'm too old. They're not going to want to hire me. Well, you go and in an interview like that, and that's what's going to happen. They're not going to hire it's you. It's going
0: to show up. It's going to show up, whether, you know, it's a conscious or unconscious intention.
1: Yeah. It,
0: you're going to attract it.
1: Well, you know what I tell people is before you go in an interview and you start thinking about something, look in the mirror and ask yourself, will I hire this guy? Will I hire this gal? And if you won't hire yourself, why should anybody else?
0: Mm, wow, so that's a great question.
1: How's your attitude? I mean, if your attitude sucks... I mean, most people want one thing from somebody, a good attitude. If you can show them that, by the way, that's the only thing I can control, Dr. Pat, my attitude. Everything else I can't, but one thing I can control. So if I'm going to a job interview and I'm looking for something or I'm going back to school, my attitude is going to be where it needs to be if I want to be successful. Because if I'm telling myself it ain't going to work, no one's going to hire me, I'm too old, blah, blah, blah. When you get to that interview, all that's going to be on your face and people are going to sense it, and you won't get hired.
0: Okay. So, you know, hiring is something you know a lot about. I mean, you have in the program that you've set up, Second Chance. I want to make sure everybody gets to the website and can find out more. But, you know, you've helped people uh, through all walks of life get get down, get dirty, and get real about what they can do and move from that no to yes. I've got the instant messages flying in here now, another one coming in that says, how do you even get to the interview when they've looked at your resume and said you are too qualified or overqualified? Again, these are labels, but, you know, let's, Let's talk about moving past these objections. Let's take a short break, Scott. When we come back, let's talk about these obstacles, but let's talk about them in the work that you do, you know, the second chances that people get so that they learn how to move beyond the objection. Wow. Thank you all. I'm going to try to get to all of these instant messages. It's like a therapy session, kind of wait till the end of the show, but we're going to try to get them in. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show Talk Radio to Thrive By. Very special guest and author of Tell Me No, I Dare You, A Guide for Living a Heroic Life. And if those of you out there want to get on the phone and ask Scott these questions yourself, just dial that toll-free number, 888-815-9756, 888-815-9756, and get your answers to the questions directly from the, uh, the man who knows. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show.
4: It's a new day. Join intuitive coach Dawn Marie Stansfield every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific on the Dr. Pat Show Network. Dawn Marie focuses on the self-empowerment of individuals by examining present-day circumstances. She offers practical tools you can use to help overcome difficult situations and move forward on your life path. Learn more at dawnsvision.com and catch It's a New Day with Dawn Marie Stansfield, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific. Visit thedrpatshow.com for show listing.
5: Sign up for the weekly newsletter to get advance notice of guests, events, and special offers. Visit DrPatshow.com and get ready to live life all out. Is Egypt calling you? Join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman for an initiatory journey to Egypt, May 2010. Picture yourself meditating in the great pyramid, cruising down the Nile on a private sailing yacht, and exploring ancient temples in exclusive visits. For a journey that expands your consciousness and opens your heart, call 866-903-6463 or visit EgyptIsCalling.com.
4: so thick and creamy Greek gods yogurt is simply yogurt delicious. Greek gods yogurt is full of probiotic bacteria good for overall health and it's made with all natural ingredients in the same tradition yogurt has been made in Greece for centuries Try the Greek gods' popular honey yogurt or the tangy yet subtly sweet pomegranate. Don't forget to try the new Greek gods' kefir cheese spread, great for dips or as a healthy substitute for sour cream. Be happy. Go Greek. Experience the myth. Are you tired or struggling to get to where you want to be in your life? Want some help getting to that next level? Hi, I'm Dr. Melody Ivory, personal growth expert and passionate champion of your complete success. I'm excited to give you powerful books, teas, and coaching to help you easily transform your life from the inside out. Now is the time to make your life sing. Visit MelodyIvory.com for free articles, poetry, and affirmations. That's MelodyIvory.com.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive. by. Hey, for more information about us or to sign up for the holistic makeover, go to www.drpatlive.com, drpatlive.com. Scott Silverman joining me here today. If you want to find out more about Scott, if you want to find out more about Second Chance program, go to scotthsilverman.com, Scott H silverman.com Scott Scott we have got a caller I think we need to go to the phones here we've got Linda from New Jersey online too Linda welcome to the show hi how can we help you tonight
2: well I was listening to you talk about um, people um, that are older and that you know it's a label on people and mm-hmm. about being overqualified or you know based on your experience that you know there's a concern that I guess you Maybe you know more than they do because they 're young, like you talked about earlier, so how do you how do you even get to an interview when you know you submit your resume, you know you 've got the skills for the job, you know that you 're you know a good worker you 're loyal um, all those things. How do you even get to that interview? Good question
1: well thanks Linda. First things first I think life, as I said, is all about relationships. So one of the things that if you if you think you're sitting in this group that might be potentially, uh, you know, maybe not the most popular hire for a job, but it has the great potential, but you need to get your foot in the door, you, you may have to do some relationship cultivating, find out about the company. One of the things we teach a lot is when you go to an interview or you call somebody up to try to get the interview, you ask the question about the company. So, you know, I've, I've gone to your website, and I've seen you guys do some awesome work with the environment, that's something I've spent a lot of years with. You find something that starts the conversation, so it's not about, hey, will you hire me? It's about, I've done some research on your company. I've spent some time looking into you guys. I want to talk to you about what I think I can add to what you're already doing. So instead of what's in it for me, why aren't you hiring me, you, you kind of give something about yourself that you're ready to give to them that helps them understand that you know you're gonna, first of all, you, you level the playing field. You kind of disarm them because you're coming from a different perspective, so you're already sounding different. And when you get there, probably you're going to look different, but at the end of the day, if they already like you and you've already got an entree built, it's much easier to get to the next level. Does that make sense? Okay.
2: Yes, it does. Um, but I guess the I guess the question goes one step further for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because everything is done over the Internet, you send your resume in, and they have obviously have 900 resumes. Um, I had one woman actually tell me there were 250 people that applied for the same job. Right. Um so most of the time you don't even get to talk to the the company itself, you just have your resume submitted. And I know we're short on time too, but um So who says that's the rule?
0: Yeah, thank you. I'm well, and no, I'm short answer. on time. <laughs> well, you know, here's
1: the thing about me, I don't like to follow rules. Now look, rules are are, <laughs> are, are, are meant to be broken, you've heard that saying. Rules are also there yeah. reason. But at the end of the day, better to get forgiveness than permission, meaning if you love a company, it fits into what you believe you've got in your background, and you really are passionate about wanting to work there, and you've got to make the rent in two or three or four weeks and put some brand muffins on the table. I wouldn't follow those rules. Get on the friggin' phone. Make a phone call. The worst that happens is someone says, hey, you know what? The rules say you can't call us. But you know what? Since I have you on the phone, let me talk to you about a great rule I've utilized, and I think it'll be helpful for your company. And just turn it around. If you sit there and you wait for someone to come pick you up and take you to the interview, you're never going to get the job. You've got to think out of the box a little bit. We're in an environment okay. right now. where Out of the box thinking is critical. So is relationships. Count on friends. Go to family. Ask for questions, help, suggestions, introductions, entrees. Do all of that stuff. Don't sit there and fire off the uh your resumes through emails and hope for the best. That's not good enough in this environment because right now there's 15% 15 times more people doing it than we were doing it 6 months ago. Mm-hmm. The competition is much greater.
2: Does that yeah. help? Okay.
0: Yeah, well the other thing I want to point out to you, I mean it sounds like you're talking about somebody that's got some experience in the workplace. Is that right, Linda? Yes. Okay. So, you know what that means to me? You know a lot of darn people You know a lot of darn people. The question is going to be for all of us, how willing are we to pick up the phone? And you know, you talk about this, Scott. You talk about asking for what we really want. But boy, we've gotten really shy. And I think what Linda's referring to is you've got to take a different approach. You've got to call people you maybe you haven't called in a while. I mean, I think that's what you're saying, Scott. We've got to do things that are out of our comfort zone.
1: And, and adding to that, Dr. Pat, the other side of it is, why should they hire you, Linda? What's in it for them? Just because you need a job and you, and you think you're perfect for them? That's not enough anymore. You need to show them why they should hire you, and just because you send in your resume, that's not enough. And if you want to bubble to the top of the other 250 people that are applying, you better do something that gets you to the top, because hoping will be great and praying is also wonderful, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to do some footwork. and Don't be afraid of it, because, you know, look, you got on the phone tonight, and you made a phone call. And it was, wow. you're back in Jersey, so what is it, almost 10 o'clock there. That tells I me mean. you're motivated. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I want you to make a plan to do exactly what, what we've suggested here, and then I want you to email me and tell me how it went. I will coach okay. you. I'll coach you through this if you want.
0: Okay. I'll- Linda, you, uh, Linda, I'm serious because if Scott is offering to coach you, he is one of the best.
2: Okay, I want well, sure to make it. If I made it clear for
1: you by offering it, then you know you can always refuse. You know they say you okay. get what you pay for. The advice will be free at least okay. for an hour. Yeah, anyway. make we'll sure you there. give Seth your email address, Linda,
0: or you email me at yep. pat at the Dr. Pat Show or or Scott. Oh, Scott, what's your email address?
1: It's uh, Scott at ScottHSilverman.com. Scott okay. at Aidsormer.com. Okay. I'll go right to my website, com. You can find it there. I, I okay. tell you, Linda, let's do this together. It'll be fun. And you, when you're making lots of money, you'll send money to my charity. How's that?
2: Great. I love it.
1: Sound like a win-win? Oh,
0: yes, boy. it does. I think you got yes, you two does. are fired up. I can't wait to bring both of you back in a mm-hmm. little bit to talk about this. All right, Linda, you're good to go. Thank so you've got you. an action plan for tomorrow, and you've Thank got, you. got Scott's email. And we know how to track you down.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Linda. Thank you. Bye-bye. Email me when you're ready. Okay.
0: So, Scott, this is about changing lives. This is about doing what you do best. What a what a wonderful, wonderful thing uh, that you just did. But you got to give Linda a little courage here, a little, uh, a little kudos here for having the courage to call into this show.
1: Well, you heard me say that. She made the phone call. That means she's into action. So, obviously, now... We're going to tap into that and we're going to figure out a way to make it happen. It's not that hard. You just got to be willing. It. You got to be willing I to do whatever it. it takes. And sometimes having a little bit of help. And we'll kick her butt. We'll get her going. She sounded better when she got off the phone. So if you could do that in three minutes.
0: Oh my imagine God. Imagine what we
1: can do at 30. Scott,
0: thank you for joining me here today. I want to make sure everybody has the website, scotthsilverman.com. Please go get the book. Tell me no. I dare you. What would be your personal message tonight? What do you want to leave everybody with?
1: If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. If you're ready to change, let's get it going.
0: Boy, that is a great way for me to end this show. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And I hope we've done the same for you tonight. Scott Silverman, incredible guy, great book. And remember, you're in charge of the destiny of your life. Let's make it happen together. We'll see you next time, everybody.
2: You'll be fine. we right